Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited. So you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you'd like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash from us films, LLC, or just search from us F R U M E S S. And don't forget to like share and subscribe audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. Oh, hey, Chris. Chris, right? Hey there. I, I think that's it. Hey, that's, what are you doing true. here? I'm hanging out with hey. uh, my little friend here. Do you remember me? I think I, I think I remember you. Wait, you're, what um, is that? What was you? What were like, you just holding up? Oh, it's absinthe. Um, what? Lucid, Luc- lucid absinthe. You I know what's funny today? Because I'm going to need it. You know, it's funny you say that because I was just chasing a little green fairy around this room. And did you did you hook up? No, but look at the colors. I mean, look what's happened to me. I see. She left her mark on you. <laughs> she left her mark All on me. Over the room. What what are you doing here? What brings you what brings you to the side of the internet? How are you, man? How's it been? I'm doing I'm doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Um, just uh getting ready for some good stuff coming up. But uh you know, really? I was thinking about all these things we've been talking about and, you know, horror-wise, and you know how much I like to bitch about things. And I'm like, you know, you do. what does Jeff think about horror? Like, what is his era? Like, for him, what's the golden age? What's the most influential? What What's his baby? What's his go-to? And I'm like, you know, we should talk about this. So here I am. I think that's... I, I, I think that, that, that works for me. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I... I picked our first topic, and you were very generous to allow me to do that. And so now you've picked the second topic, and I have been thinking about it all week, ruminating on it, letting it marinate, trying to decide how I want to tackle this beast. And I've ultimately decided that what I have to say is just going to piss you off and make you mad. But... <laughs> okay, let me tell you this. As long as the Babadook is not mentioned anywhere tonight, I think we'll be good. <laughs> no. Um, so what you proposed to me was how, how is everybody doing, by the way? We had a bunch of people. I see Von Doom. Shout out to Von yeah. Doom. It, it is a great topic. Rue Morg, Justin B, Beastie Bigly. Guys, make sure to follow the brand new Sinful Celluloid podcast instagram as well as chris himself on instagram at sinful celluloid how it's spelled out uh go give those pages a follow make sure you like share and subscribe uh chris why don't you break down exactly the topic you 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 uh you jump in the uh caboose seat uh, not the caboose seat, the conductor seat <laughs> and and take us through this one um basically what I want to know from Jeff and actually from everybody is what is your 
idea of the most influential, the best era in horror? Was it like the slasher era? Was it? it, it there's no there's no range as far as as far as years concerned. You know, was it the new, new French period that we got in the early two thousands? That three or four years was that like was that it for you? Was it the Hammer era? You know, just just Hammer in the sixties. Was it the Universal tried and true? You know. What is it? What when was horror the best for you, and why? You know, why do you feel that way? And so that's what I want to sort of delve into because I'm really specific on what I think is the best and why. So I want to know what you think, and then what everybody else thinks as well. Please share. So, firstly, I would like to say, um. There, there's, there's a split here because, not a split, but a obviously this is a very subjective topic, which also makes it a very fun topic because it's personal. Um, no answer is right and no answer is wrong. It's just whatever yeah. you. <laughs> it's whatever you. It's whatever your yummies, your yums are. You know, yes. you, you, whatever your yums are, you, you can't yuck on my yums and I can't yuck on yours. But um, there's also, you also brought up another aspect to this. What was the most influential? What had the most impact? And that is an entirely different loaded question. I think we need to yeah. ruminate on both for sure in this, True. in this topic. But let's start with what our favorite was. Do you want to go first? Uh, you go first. You go okay. first. So, so Chris was like, "Pick an era," and I was like, "Chris, what is an, what? What do you mean era? Like, like you mean like, like a decade?" And he's like, "No, an era. Like, what era? Like, is it you know the slasher cycle of the '80s or blah 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 blah? blah you know, like that kind of thing." And I sat there thinking about it, and I decided, <laughs> I decided that my answer is the '80s. <laughs> It's the decade of the eighties anyway. Look, look, he's already going like this. No, the reason <laughs> the reason why the reason why is you know, this was incredibly difficult for me to to answer this question because I love it all of it. I love all of it for different reasons. There's no there's no one there's no one thing that I can pinpoint to as my comfort food because my all time favorite film of all time is probably Night of the Living Dead in nineteen sixty eight, and yet at the same time you know, there's nothing like throwing on Reanimator, or Return of Living Dead, or Evil Dead Two, Dead by Dawn, or you know what, any any number of these you know various titles that we love and cherish. But when I look at a period, there's no period that just like hits it better, pound for pound, movie for movie than. The 80s, man. And when I say the 80s, I mean the collective 80s as a whole. Really, to really concentrate on the 80s specifically in the in the later half, from 85 to like 90, you just got incredible film after incredible film after incredible film. And that's not to say that you didn't get that in the first half of the 80s. But like, I mean, here's the thing. In... From 1990 onward, for even in the early 90s, in 1990, 1991, you know, you, you have they start experimenting with CGI and that eventually would take over everything. But at the, in the late eighties, we're at the height of special effects, like special effects and optical printing, because like CGI is not either practical or like good enough to really 
sort of, you know, take over in a way that studios would deem, you know, budgetarily, you know, cost effective. So you're getting like, you're getting the best stuff, man. You're just getting the best stuff. The stories are interesting. You're getting movies like, and, and particularly when I think about, okay, let's, let's, let's take a little bit of more of a magnifying glass to fit within the confines of Chris's question. The, the eighties remake Renaissance is where I'm going to lay my, lay my stake. And that's stuff like the thing, the fly, the blob invade invaders from Mars. The, the really the first three that I named, this is the Holy Trinity of remakes where the remakes are in many ways, far superior to the original versions. And you're just, you're at the height of special effects. Um, unconventional storytelling in, in some cases, um, and just sort of uh, 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 blowing people's minds. And to this day, people are blown away. So that's my my messy answer. And then uh, my, for my other answer, I'll we'll, I'll put that on a we'll, we'll tackle that later. So you, go ahead, Chris. What is yours? I'm very curious to know. Seventy through seventy-five. Ooh. So 10 years, or uh, 15 years earlier. Please explain. During the 70s, you had, okay, so the 60s, we got all the Hammer stuff, which was great, the Amicus stuff. We had a lot of solid films come out in that era from 60, where you got Horror Hotel and Psycho, which are arguably the same fucking movie, and I know that is its own discussion that we're going to have to have because <laughs> they're the same fucking movie. I did like a four-page dissertation on that one. Um, but from 70 to 75, we had pretty much every incredible director working at the same time, from Spielberg to Hitchcock to Argento. Wow. Everybody was making movies at this time. We had um, all the, like the super sexy sexualized horror we had the gothic horror we had slashers we had monster movies we had everything from everybody at the top of their game we had the blind dead films um we had the ombre lobo films um everything was coming out at this time there was such a wide range of genres and of talent working within this five-year period and everything that had come before sort of led up to that. And everything after 75 was gone. Almost all of it was gone because really it changed with Jaws. Right. There were some other, there are some other features that came out, but obviously they had already been made. After 75, shit's over. Hmm. When you say shit's over, you mean just that, like, that whole classic era is right. gone. And what you have from this point forward is you have the special effects era, which comes in. Really, it didn't really start until 78 to 80. And, you know, between 80 and 81 really picked, uh, peaked with the werewolf films, which was fantastic. That died Well, peaked. peaked with the werewolf films. Special effects. Off. No, hold on. Special okay. effects, makeup, ingenuity. That was right there when it was all, you had Maniac. All these things were happening when it was like, here are the new toys. And after that, it got a little bit more refined 
and not as showcased after that. Not to say that there weren't good movies after that, because there were. Um, Because then you have your your more refined, your Nightmare on Elm Street um, in 84. And um, what else could they think of that came out after that? I mean, your Friday 13th kept getting better and better in varying degrees. (laughs) Um, But pretty much the new era of big Hollywood took over at that point. Foreign films were gone. They weren't doing that anymore. You know, very sporadically. Um, Atmosphere as we knew it was gone. A lot of people like to say, well, Texas Chainsaw was the beginning of that end. To a certain extent, yeah. Um, But I think that with 75, everybody that we had been really watching from previous to that point had sort of gotten all their their movies in. They're sort of like, okay, well, we're kind of done. Got a few more tricks up our sleeve. But Hollywood really sunk its teeth in and said, we can make money on this. And it changed. The, the landscape changed. What you could bring over from, you know, Europe, from Spain, from Italy, right. that was gone. All of it changed across the board because it became commercial. Think of it that way. It's like before, if it was punk, then after 75, slowly but surely, we got grunge. If before it was just hair, you know, hardcore metal slowly we got glam metal slowly we got fucking creed all of this stuff came and it came a little bit slow but everything was commercialized and commercialized for america by america and you Mm -hmm. lost a lot of the atmosphere you lost a lot of the tried and true monsters a lot of the setups also i call that period a good chunk of that period grindhouse gothic because Wait, that, in, in the 80s? Um, no, in, in the 70s. Oh, oh, in the 70s. The period you're the speaking 70s. of specifically. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes. And I will explain why. Go ahead. Because during that period, filmmakers were trying to figure out what is horror. Horrors, vampires in evening gowns, or evening gowns, in, um, in evening clothes. That's a vampire. What's scary? Big, scary castles, big, scary mansions, all of that kind of thing. You know, there were just the tried and true tropes. Everything was on a full moon, scary forest, big old creepy houses, man-made monsters, vampires, werewolves. This was horror. So you get this period where you have a lot of modern kids Mm -hmm. and adults in these creepy classic settings. So if you look back at the old 70s horror comics, the Marvel and the DC, you know, in particular, EC comics, all that stuff, what was that? It was a lot of girls in miniskirts and go-go boots and what have you, you know, sporting the look in big creepy castles with classic-looking Dracula vampires chasing them with zombies in graveyards, all of that stuff. So... It's because they didn't know horror any other way. So you have this period where they were trying to figure out how to modernize all these classic tropes and imagery, which is all they knew. And so this whole period of 70 through 75, a lot of that is the only live action representation you have of those old Marvel and DC horror comics, the EC, the, uh, the Warren Magazine stuff. You know, that's it, live action. Like, arguably, Dracula 1972 by Hammer 
is like reading to Dracula. Hmm. Um, that is no, no, no. This is very interesting because, well, I'll be honest with you. This is not an era that I am fully well versed in. What I'm thinking, like I'm trying to think in my brain of films that fall between seventy and seventy-five. Obviously, Jaws comes to mind. Obviously, Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes to mind. Last House on the Left comes to mind. Four Gray Flies on Velvet comes to mind. Is that later, earlier? Right? Isn't that one of his first films? Or Geno? Um, what is it called? What is it called? That's not it, but you're close. Four Flies on Gray Velvet. Something like that. Something like that. Isn't opera? Opera's made around that time? Opera's, opera's, opera's later. later. Opera's later. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I... I don't know if I totally agree with your assessment. One thing that is very interesting about what you're saying, the idea that you had so many greats overlapping for this very small window of time. Like, yes. it kind of blows my mind that, like, you think that rope is happening, you know, just as Spielberg is getting his start, you know. I mean, it, that is kind of mind-boggling to me, to think about it like that, you know. Let me throw let me throw this at you before Go you ahead. continue. Go ahead. Please, please. All right. So, you have, during this period, I'm going to just throw some names out at you. You sure. have Argento. Yeah. You have Alfred Hitchcock. Jess Franco, it's crazy. Um, Armando De Sorio, who did the Blind Dead films. You also had Roy Rort Baker, Freddie Francis, Peter Sazday, all these guys who were hammer tried and trues. We had stuff like The Vampire Lovers, Taste of Blood at Dracula, but you also had Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman. You had The Wizard of Gore, Herschel Gordon Lewis was making stuff. HGL, that's right. And I know I just butchered his name, but, you know. I do that all the time. Um, you know, so you had, you know, Ingrid Pitt, Paul Nashie, Christopher Lee, Linda Hayden, you know, Blood on Satan's Claw came out during this time as well. Um, Vincent Price. Everybody's working through this time. Yes, Besides you had Vincent Cooper, Price, Rich Fighter General, right? Um, a couple of them, you know, Matt Theater House of Blood. During this time, Theater of Blood. Omega um, Man. It just goes on and on. I Monster, Fright. Um, personal favorite from 72 is Murder Mansion. I fucking love Murder Mansion. It's kind of, if you took the writers of Scooby-Doo, yeah. Rota Giallo, <laughs> that's Murder Mansion. I will um, say, I will say, this is the prime years for Amicus, which we both talked about, how much we love. We'll have to do a whole episode on that. Exactly. This is definitely the prime years of Amicus and, you know, Hammer, Hammer's still going strong. But Hammer being a, a well, Hammer, Hammer's actually petering out at this point. Is Hammock it is, okay? Is, is doing, but you know, Hammer pretty much died by 1971. They had a few more things, but um, they were pretty much dead with the uh, so mid 50s through the 60s is game. Hammer, right? Would you say late 50s, all the 60s, beginning right. of the 70s, Got basically you. 58 through 71, and then. Really, their last sort of decent thing was, um, oh, my God, the stupid Glenn's Mask. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pride of Satan slash... Um, yes, oh God, yes, from, from Danzig 1, from Danzig 1, yeah, from the, the video, of, like, of course. Right now, 
but yeah, I don't remember the that name. That was of the kind film. of Hammer's last decent film. You know, they hmm. had a couple more things after that, but you also had um, Slaughter Hotel, which was great from Italy. Klaus Kinski's in that. Um, Straw Dogs here in America. The, Straw like Dogs. Said, four, the Blind Dead films. Count Yorga. All of this stuff is going on at this time. All of these people, every genre is represented. You have slashers, giallo, um, monster movies, classic monsters, psycho killers, everything, werewolf movies. Everything's done in this five-year period. There's nothing for you to want for. It's all out there. And it was only during this time. Hold on. Too shaded, Chad. You have no sound. Since he has no sound, it's cool. I can like put words in his mouth. I wonder if he can hear me saying that. Oh, and he's gone. Now, I want to know what you guys think. I like Chud. Couldn't stand the second one, but I did like the first one. That was a lot of fun. He is screaming silently. So we do apologize for the technical difficulties. Now I know what he's getting for Christmas. Hello. Oh, is there going to be two of you again? No, but can you hear me? Yes, I can. Well, Tommy, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Tommy, can you hear me? God damn. Yeah, um, I just ordered a new headset. My my audio my audio thing shit the my whatever my 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 big microphone that I always use crapped out on me, and now I'm down to this dinky headset, and it goes in and out. So. In any case, I apologize, folks. Let's keep the show going. We have so many great comments here. I'm seeing talking a lot about Lovecraft horror and stuff. What were the you saying, Chris? Yeah. I um, love no, the resurrected. Be... Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I heard that. <laughs> that was good. Um, no, just there are so many people working at this time that you don't have any other period. So many different genres represented that you don't have any other period. Everything right. is here. And um, not only just the fact that that whole movement that I just told you about, but you had the experimentation, The Blood Rose, which was the first sex horror film. You know, that came out during this time. Stuff which I think is absolute garbage, but people love. Bad Ronald, Abby. Gargoyles. You know, Gargoyles was TV. I think Gargoyles was later, actually. I think but Gargoyles it's so like fun. No, it's I such did, a it fun... Was, <laughs> hey, first, um, that was the first, um, oh my God. It's just that kind of... Stan Winston. Shut up. That's Stan, Stan Winston's, Winston's first professional, job. Professional job. Wow. Well, his first lead. We'll put it that way. Well... In any case, I, like I said, what I find most interesting about the period that you've chosen is all this overlap that I never considered 
Um, you know, and what's interesting is at the tail end of what you, of that, of that, you know, period in 74, you have Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which, you know, kind of in a way is, you know, it's like Iggy and the Stooges to punk rock, if anything, in that kind of way, you yeah. know, it kicks off everything that's going to happen in the eighties in a weird kind of way, or at least, you know, filmmakers and studios are going to be chasing what Texas Chainsaw Massacre is doing all the way back in 74 or pinpointing on it hard and then trying to replicate it. So, you know, in that kind of way, I think it, it, or at least that's another kind of way in which the period you talked about, not only that being your favorite period, but having some serious impact, whether you agree with it or not. It was, it's all the way around. So much stuff was broken for the first time during that period. And not only that, so if you talk about all, all the gore had just slowly gotten more and more and more of the grizzliness. You had Pete Walker doing crazy shit. And not only was everything he did very violent, but the nudity and the sexuality, because it was just part of the time. You got to understand during the 70s, especially the early 70s, we're coming off the hippie movement. Everything was very natural. And it, and it reflected in the film. You have naked, not just girls, but guys everywhere. Every time you turn around. Right. It's not, and, not exploitive. It's, it's just, she gets up, she's out of bed. The camera does not layer on her. She's naked. She gets up. She walks across the room. She throws a robe on. It's just what it is. Whereas when you got to the 80s, and um, like, like uh, early to mid eighties is when you start get, you know, that whole turnaround boots. You know, camera zooms in. It was just, it's ridiculous now. I mean, when I was like 13, 14, it was awesome. But you know, you walk around, you just shake your head, and you're like, that's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. Why are you trying so hard? Well, I mean, but what about you know, again. I'm going to, I'm going to reference that, that golden trifecta of, I'm going to reference that golden trifecta of, of, of remakes and, and talk about the blob in the sense that the blob remake sort of, you know, uh, spits in that trope's face, you know, with the makeout scene and the touchy guy and then the blob eats him and stuff and just being a really, incredible i don't know just a really incredible solid film which is just based on you know something that had already existed but in my opinion improved on it vastly well, you uh, have just, plenty of things i agree with you there you have plenty of things yeah, you have, yeah. like you said already the thing i mean the thing is unbeatable yeah i have an echo yeah. by the way i don't know if you hear the echo, oh you do but I hear the echo. no I, I don't have an echo but uh i don't know how can we fix that why would you have an? Can you? Because it does it take away from you being able to talk? Can you not um, talk? No, I can talk. Okay, but I can also hear me. Uh, try um, turning your volume down. Oh no, but then you'll hear me. Wait, the the echo is in your headphones. Yeah. Mother effer. Why is that? Because you got three windows open instead of just two. No. Hold on. What about now? Let's see. Is it gone? I don't know. I'm checking. Nope. Still there. 
Another effort. We'll get we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Um, um yeah, this <laughs> these these technical oh. difficulties they'll they'll drive you crazy. Um but uh, let's talk about this. You all right, you talked about that being um impactful. Let me ask you a couple of questions because one, there are some interesting sort of situations where, you know, an era is supposed to start from from this this point in time to this point in time, and yet there are movies from other eras that easily fit within within that sort of vein. So, for instance, you talked about the new French extremity of the uh, of the early two thousands, which was a huge movement in modern horror. Would you agree? I would. For yeah. all two seconds, it was around. It was, it was great, but it was short. It was short-lived. It it made a gigantic splash with, it, you know, it, it basically did, it was basically like what French New Wave did for cinema as a whole. French Extremity did that for the horror genre, in a way. I'll agree with that. I'll right? With that. Right? Yeah. Um, here's my question to you. Is Eyes Without a Face a French Extremity film? Is it the first French extremity film. I would say, yeah, actually, because for its time and not only for its time, depending on who watches it now, that shit's extreme. It's like Peeping Yo. Tom. It's like Pe- Peeping Tom is fucked up. If you yep. will sit there and just watch it and not go, oh, look, it's old. Or, oh, look, or whatever. And sit there and bitch about the little things. If you just sit there and watch the movie, Peeping Tom is a fucked up movie. Um, yes, I agree. And it's definitely, oh, I can hear the echo. I can hear the echo on your side too. Damn. Where is that coming from? Are you sure you don't have computer speakers going as, as well as, uh, we didn't have it until you switched uh, to three windows. Really? All right. Let me try and switch back. Chris, uh, fill some dead air for a minute while I do this. So, anyways, that is that is why the seventies. That's why I hang on that stuff. Also, the fact that atmosphere is big for me. There's nothing scary about a fucking duplex. There's nothing scary about a condo. None of that stuff works for me. So, and that's a lot of what we started getting later. Um, sure, it was being carried by your slasher killers with their with the mask and whatnot. So well, it was all right. It worked, but eventually we ran out of that. And when the 90s came in, all you got was cool soundtrack, mediocre killer, and no atmosphere. And I don't care, you know. For every scream that we got, we got a million other, like, terrible knockoffs, like Cry Wolf and stuff like that. It wasn't even a horror film, you know, but it sold itself like a horror film. Nope, he's gone. But, um, you know, I want to know, do you guys agree with me? Is atmosphere important? Do you guys miss atmosphere? Because there is no atmosphere in Paranormal Activity, which we got another one coming. You know, that's why I appreciate the new Creep Show, which actually premieres tonight. I think that's what I'll be watching after this. Um, You know, Creep Show is in love with the horror genre as, as it was, you know, which is that whole EC era which was tons of good stuff. 
it was twist, it was sex, it was atmosphere, it was violence, all rolled into one. When horror was not safe, this horror nowadays fucking blows most of the time. Um, I like Malignant. I did. I haven't brought myself to watch Candyman yet because I'm very upset about it, but I'm going to. I'm going to get there this week. No, nope, no sound from you, Jeff. Hello. Hi. There you go. You know what? You're going to have to leave the window up. This is this is the only way, bro. This is I tried. I motherfucking tried. Damn it. All right. <laughs> did we get any, did we get any, um, did we get any yeah, comments we, in the chat? We do. We do. We had a question. Robbie Bloodshed wants to know. We did a Tarantino episode. Can we do a Scorsese episode in the future? Yes, I, we can. I totally see that being a. I have a lot to say about Scorsese. I could totally see that happening. We've got so much in here about this and that. We were talking about French Extremity. We were talking about Eyes Without a Face. We were talking about Pimping Tom. We were talking about. Let's. Here's another. Here's another hot take for you. Um, this is one of my favorites. Going back to eras, the Universal Monsters. You know. Really bring you know horror into the mainstream for the first time. Would you agree with that, Chris? Am I correct on that's, that? Absolutely. I don't think right. it's. I don't even think it's arguable. Right. So you know because before that, horror is you know I mean it's silent and you know sort of not it's not in the forefront. And then the Universal monsters come. And blow it, blow the door wide open. It starts with, I think, Dracula, right? In 1931, yep. continues with the uh, Frankenstein, and then the Invisible Man, and then the Mummy. Oh, then the Mummy, the right? Man and the mummy. Right, right, yeah. right. Now, here's something that's very interesting. Have you ever seen? I'm going to totally butcher this name. Maybe we talked about this previously on the Streaming Evil Live show. Are you familiar with Le Belle et Le Bête? Did we talk about this? Um, um, hold on. We did not talk about it, but, um, Beating the Beast. Yes. Yes. Yeah, By Jean Coquetou. I can't, I don't know how you to say just, his name. You just need to stop that. All right. I'm going to stop. I'm going to shut yes. up. Yes. What about but, Okay. So is this, so this, this kind of blew my mind. I'm watching this film for the first time last year and I'm in love with it. I am like this to me. If you guys have not seen this, you need to see this. It's a gorgeous film. And what I'm about to say, and this kind of ties in thematically to eras, maybe in the way of like making these loose connections between movies that you don't really think of one thing as another. So it's kind of like adjacent to what we're talking about. But um, I'm watching this film and I'm going, oh my God, like this is... France's answer to the universal horror, horror cycle. It comes out in 1947, post-World War II. Um, it's really hard to get, like, crazy fancy props and stuff. Uh, it took a, it was a great undertaking to make this film. And I'm watching it, I'm going, this is a universal horror film. This is exactly what this is. It's the French universal horror. And which led me to think in my mind that Beauty and the Beast is like when you look at literature that like things are based on beauty and the beast is at the core of every monster and universal horror film where there's beauty and then there's 
a beast, but beneath the beast, there is humanity. You know, even though there's this ugly veneer and then beneath it, there lies some sort of humanity uh, that the beauty can connect with. And you can look at all sorts of monster movies. So in a weird way, Beauty and the Beast is kind of like the proto template for what universal horror is going to build on top of it in a weird kind of way. It is it's not even weird. It is. And not only that, but it's a better film than any of the fucking universal monster films. I agree. I agree. Here's the thing with Bride of Frankenstein, because that being uh, the holy film, right? Emotionally, it's the best. It is. That thing will rip the fucking heart out. Yes. um, And it is the best of those. But overall, most of those films don't hold up. They don't. Visually, they do. I mean, Universal's film, they're they're, um, they're sets. Yeah, that's what you watch them for. I don't want. I don't watch for the yeah, story. Exactly. Who the cares about the story? Because the story's bad. It's bad. It's abrupt. There was so yeah. many magnets. Which know, I like. You know, they have atmosphere. They have yes. Aspects, and they did it first. They awoken our love for that. Most Transforms people, you to a place. Exactly, and mostly not just people of a certain age either. Because most people's first introduction to monsters is the Frankenstein monster, Dracula, you know, a wolfman or a werewolf or, you know? So yep. most people's introduction is not Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Psycho or anything like that. So it, it definitely sets the standard. But I will always say that just because you were first doesn't mean you did it best. And I will say that. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that as well. Um, Yeah, I don't watch, you know, I did not, my childhood did not revolve around the Universal Horror Monsters, but as an adult, I took in all of these films. And the thing, you know, that brings me back to them is that atmosphere. It trans, it, it, um, it, 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 uh, what's it called? It teleports me to a time and a place that makes me feel a certain way uh, that I really like about watching horror movies. I don't know what, it, I don't know how else to explain it. Old Dark House. How about this? Here's one that'll blow your mind. Old Dark House is the proto Rocky horror picture show. If you look, it you know, is. it's funny. It's so funny. The, um, you know, he sings the song science fiction, double feature, and he go, talks about references, all of these films except for one, he doesn't reference the one that perhaps maybe Rocky Horror borrows just as much from. The whole framework comes from Old Dark House down to the number of characters that are in it. It's like you literally can, you can literally kind of pinpoint a, each character to uh, a counterpart in Rocky Horror. It's very interesting. No, you're absolutely right. Also, if you take Rocky Horror and you change the music... yeah. It's a, it's one, it's serious. Two, it's a sad, you know, that thing is very serious depending on minor, minor errors. It's definitely, if you look at it from, if you look at it from Rocky's perspective and the fact that like, why is he called Rocky Horror and that his life is 
literally created to be like a a sex doll for an alien. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. It's, it's so I mean, everything about it is so different. But, it, you know, it did something. It captured something, not right away, but eventually. But it's one of those movies that's I own. I don't watch. I can't watch it because it's a terrible fucking movie. Oh, it's no. Go. It's not good. It's, it's so good. Soundtrack. It's a masterpiece. I'm going to sock you. Damn, it's no. got a great soundtrack. It does. The, the soundtrack is great. All the yes. musical numbers are great. Again, they use the same house from Vampires. Right, right. It's a hammer, the Hammer House. No, not a Hammer House. Not Hammer Vampires is not a Hammer House. Really? Film. Spanish film. Jose Lorenz. Interesting. Ramon Jose Lorenz. Who By the was, way, working during that period. Right, during that period, as well as yeah. Rocky Horror being at the tail end of that period, well, actually being made during that period. Um, uh, by the way, going back to the universal horror thing for a split second, um, freaking, like, it's kind of crazy when you think that in order to shoot a film in another language, or sorry, in order to dub a movie in another language, you literally had to use the same sets and shoot two movies at the same time. Yeah. Like they did the Spanish, Spanish Dracula. Spanish Dracula with yeah. the same pay. The same toupee. Yep. Same everything. Everything was the same. Everything was the same in order to um in order to make it work, man. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. More action than Dirk Diggler. Yeah, dude. Like it just you know, it's like, oh, we want to shoot like like sound technology is is so primitive at that point. That they're like, let's just make, <laughs> let's just make the whole movie again, and we'll just do it yeah. in a different language. It's yeah. kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, what about this? Okay, what about uh, what about like when it comes to gore? What in your we we talk like what early 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 gore films? Everybody always goes to Blood Feast, but there's a film that predates what Blood Feast is doing. It's a Japanese film from 1959. It even predates Eyes Without a Face, and it's called Jigoku. Have you ever seen this film? I know the film. I don't know if I've seen it. I don't think I have, but I do know it. It's like, it, like, it is the first time you see, like, a grisly, like, dissected human being on on celluloid like it's kind of crazy that this was made in 1959 and predates everything even even the facelift in eyes without a face spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen a 60 fucking <laughs> a 63 year old movie 62 year old movie kind of crazy um sorry go ahead no no um i was just gonna say like as far as Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yes, he was working. I didn't throw him on the list. I mean, there's a few people I didn't get to. But here's my thing with Herschel Gordon Lewis. And this is where we differ a lot. Yeah. Because you are all about the do-it-yourself attitude. I made it. It's great because I made it. I don't subscribe to that at all. Herschel Gordon Lewis, I will not sit there and watch that stuff. If my, if my life, life depended, depended on it, it's, it's so really? bad. 
dementia thirteen. That's Francis Ford. That's Francis Ford Coppola. I know. What I'm saying in all these Carnival of Souls. Oh my God! What masterpiece? Masterpiece. Of course you think it is. Oh my, dude. That's why it's free. Because it's a masterpiece. Exactly. No, I can't. You know, I. They made stuff. They made a living at it. So kudos to you. You have my respect. But I won't watch it. I won't own it because it's not good. What about Night of Living Dead, bro? Night of Living Dead. Night of Living Dead is good. But Night of Living Dead had good storytelling. But for me, yeah, George Romero sort of tapers off sometime after that. As an example, Dawn of the Dead. I yeah. will only watch the Argento cut. Oh, my. All right. That's it. Show's over. Show is over. Too long. Too long. You are out of line, it's sir. Too long. You are it's, out of line. It's too unnecessarily long. It meanders no. too much. You can Argento never have too much. Right. 30 Dude. minutes of that movie. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Even though I look like Argento right now, like motherfucking dude cuts out a whole fucking plot of the movie. The trucks, the moving of the trucks. We don't even see the first truck get moved. We only see the second truck get moved. It's super incoherent. The Argento cut does add some character development. Here's the thing. The best way to watch Dawn of the Dead is the extended Mall Hours edition, which is the complete uh, t- uh, two hours and like 45 minutes Fuck with the kitchen movie. sink. Fuck no, no, movie. no. It's so good, See, dude. Here's the thing. This is what we can't do now. This is a future episode, but I will tell you something. There are too many, not just not just this. Yeah. Here, Here is something I hold tried and true to. And me and Ryan have argued about this. Yeah. <laughs> I love Nightbreed. I'll take any version of Nightbreed. Um, yeah, Nightbreed's okay. another example. So, yeah. Here, here's the thing. Hear me out. I'm hearing you out. People do not have pure um, opinions of classics. If they are horror fans, if you ask a horror fan, why is Texas Chainsaw Massacre so good? They will tell you. And I'm not going to say what it is right now, but they will tell you what, what why it's so good. Guess yeah. what? It is the same, sometimes verbatim, same three or four fucking sentences you have in about eight or ten books sitting on your shelf, in about five documentaries you have, in your movie collection, it is the same shit because it's in the ether. It's kind of like, oh, I don't like the Beatles. But then you sit down and watch something and you recognize like 15 songs. Oh my God, I didn't know they sung that. I could sing along to it. You've heard it your whole life in the back of your head. It comes out your mouth. So, so is Texas Chainsaw really, really so, so good because, because this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason or, or you're just, you're just subconsciously, programmed subconsciously programmed to see that? that. And the okay. same with Romero. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same with Romero. Mm-hmm. All of those. Um, and you can even go up the screen. You know, why do you like Scream so much? Well, it's the same stuff. And I'm not saying that those films are not good films. They are. 
but, but I, don't I don't know, know how many people, people actually have their, have their own, own opinion, opinion of it. Of Most it. people don't. don't. They have okay. the programmed program opinion, opinion of it. No. I okay. Thank you. Sorry. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Um, no. First of all, I do agree fully with what you're saying about the programmed opinion, and it gets really. It's it all it like makes my eyes roll to the back of my head and like burst through my my skull, the back of my skull. Like I just get so annoyed with these cookie cutter, you know, reasons and responses. However, my counter to what you're saying and also an additional thing, my counter is this. These films are universally loved or universally recognized because uh, for good reason. And it's, and it's because it affects so many different people in a very similar kind of way. Now, I would add to that list a movie like the original Halloween, frankly. You know, stuff like that. You know, I think that could go on there. You know, you hear the same oh, cookie-cutter cookie, cookie answers. Uh, and meanwhile, I watched Halloween... And I was so, the first time I ever watched Halloween as a lad, I was so underwhelmed. I was like, what? I was like, this? This is scary? This is nothing. This is like, whatever. I could give a fly. I just didn't, it didn't, it just went like this, right over my head. Uh, another film, uh, The Exorcist. And maybe yep. it's because I'm a Jew. <laughs> like, I'm just The not... Exorcist is scary if you are either a Catholic. Right. Or if you... Simply, you don't even have to be if you simply believe in the possibility of demon possession. If right. you don't, it is a fucking two and a half hour movie that doesn't get good until the last 30, 40 here's minutes. A, here's the thing. I watched, and the, the this is almost, this is embarrassing to admit. I never saw The Exorcist all the way through until two years ago, maybe. Oh my God. What I are finally... You, 45 how I, have you how did you not see it do you want it you want the honest answer and well, we have to yeah. get back to what i was gonna say to honest answer no, no no for real and i've seen you know i've seen all the iconic clips and blah blah blah. and i you know i ate dinner with pazuzu fun. at one time which was cool but like you know like the the reason why i never sat down and watched the exorcist or bothered and i had plenty of opportunities to do so is because I simply was not interested in the subject matter. I didn't, it didn't interest me. I didn't find it scary. I wasn't fascinated. I've never been fascinated by demonic possession. I don't, you know, subscribe to that sort of thing that, you know, uh, that theology is not, does not affect me. So it never, I, and finally I sat down. I was like, I have to watch this film. So I finally sat down, you know, when people bring up freaking, I always, reference the guardian i think the guardian wow. is like i love that friggin movie i'll talk about the guardian all friggin day but like the exorcist eh, whatever so i watch so i'm watching the exorcist i'm going like i see why it's great it's it is it is a great film i enjoyed watching it but i was not frightened by it in fact you know sometimes what i like to do is i like to desaturate my tv and watch films in black and white i know that sounds super fucking pretentious but it's not pretentious at all. What's great about it is it's sort of black and white takes trans, uh, uh, teleports you into another dimension. And, you know, there are films that I just feel like would screen really well in black and white. Like for instance, 
that first Halloween movie would do would 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 work so much better if it was in stark black and white. You know, everybody knows about Jason Part Six. It's shot like a classic Universal horror movie, and yeah. you know, I had never seen the first time I ever watched Jason Part Six. I watched it in black and white because someone told me to. That's how you should watch it, and it was, frankly, it was my favorite Jason of them all because of that particular viewing experience. So I find like significant benefit in desaturating my TV for certain films because I just I like black and white movies. That aside, that aside, and that aside about The Exorcist, I watched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like so many franchises, I watched them sometimes backwards. I think I watched part three first, then I watched part two, then I watched the fourth one with <laughs> Renee Zellweger and Renee Zell, whatever her, her name is, and um, Matthew Renee McConaughey. Zell, Matthew McConaughey. Right, and then I watched the first one. I rented it on VHS, and I watched it, and I just was like, this is, like, where is the massacre? Like, it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Where's the fucking massacre, bro? This is, this is garbage. Like, you know, just whatever. Like, didn't care about it. Didn't watch it for 20-something years. Just never, just like, don't even bother me with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The 16, uh, sorry, not 16, they did a 4K restoration of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I said, you know, I'm going to check this out again. I'm going to just watch it. I, You know, it's been so many years. It would be like watching it, like, f- with fresh eyes. You know, there's so many films that when I rewatch them from a filmmaker's perspective, like I saw movies before I tried to make movies, and then I watched movies after I tried to make movies. And so it's like I'm viewing it from not just a story perspective, but, like, from the idea of, like, maybe, you know, try, like putting myself – in the POV of trying to create something like that when I'm watching it. And I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and had this reaction that I was not expecting to have at all. I was blown the fuck away by the ingenuity and, and the, 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 the genuine cutting edge, like awesomeness of this film. And I'm not going to come at you. Here's what I'm going to come at you with. Perfect okay. example. It's, it's not, you know, it, it's it's the first of all, it's the the camera movements, the the way that they're sort of doing all these, the the way the camera is moving, the way the dolly, the the, the camera is dollying in this very like crude sort of matter, and you know that they just didn't have money and they just like had to make this camera move, and I just like I was blown away by that. But here's the single thing, where the, the moment when I realized that Texas Chainsaw Massacre was just like the reason why it was so great. And it wasn't for any of those reasons that, you know, people say this was the reason she gets to the gas station. She's, uh, you know, whatever the, the, the gas station where the cook works, right. She's hiding in, uh, she's hiding in there. The old, the old cook, whatever his name is, the old man, he comes in, he says, he's calming her down. He's saying, don't worry. There's nobody out there. After, even though she was just being chased by Leatherface, right? She literally was just being chased. And she goes inside the thing and she's hiding. And uh, and he, what he does is he goes to the door, he opens the door, and he looks outside and says, there's nobody there. And then he closes the door. But all if you're watching this film, it's so fucking obvious that what is left unsaid is that Leatherface is clearly right outside of that door 
it, there's net, you know, it's not written in the story. It's just what you write in your head. Leatherface is right outside of that fucking door. And the fucking old cook who's in with Leatherface is going and closes the door. So the my imagination is going, Leatherface is waiting out there with his chainsaw right now, closes the door, and then we get the reversal, the reveal that the old cook is in on in on the whole thing the whole time. It's what they, it's the, what is it, the Schroeder, the Schrodinger's cat of it all? Like, yeah, like, it's what we don't see that made me revel in the brilliance of this low-budget ingenuity. And then you, and then, and then we're sitting down and obviously the table scene is, is just, it's so bizarre. Here's the thing, you can't watch it as a horror film. You have to watch it as like a cult midnight film. She's like in this bizarre, crazy place with these people uh, having uh, uh, having dinner. She's she's having dinner in a strange house, just like Rocky Horror Picture Show, man. It's the same shit. She's having dinner in this house with this bizarre family that wants to eat her at some point. She escapes. You know, she hops on the black mamba, drives off, and then we're treated to this truly bizarre, surreal thing that we've never seen in cinema before. This man wearing human face that's not his own is dancing gracefully with a chainsaw as the sun is rising. And I can't explain it. Anything, I'm going to quote Elric Kane for this one. It's pure fucking cinema, baby. Like, you're just watching, like the only way that Leatherface can express the one that got away is by fucking swaying in the wind with his chainsaw, doing this almost bizarre, like ritual dance of, 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 of sadness and rejection because he didn't get the girl. That's it. (laughs) That's, those are my original feelings upon revisiting Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time in a long time. Okay. Now that's fair. I'll give you that one. And again, so, I never said it was a bad film. It's not. Right. But people's opinions are a regurgitation of yeah. everything that they've heard. I, well, Cookie Cutter, Cookie Cutter suggests that they are doing it on purpose. I don't think they are. It's subconscious. It is. Yeah. They just, it just, it's what comes out. To sound enlightened, to sound like they know, that like they're in the know. You know. I think it just comes out because they can't help it. While it's because it's that documentary style and it feels so real. It's like, yeah, I know. It says on the back of the box in about 10 books I have. I know. You know, so that's, that's what my about, issue. Sir. What about Scream? You, you mentioned Scream as being another one of those films. What is it about Scream that does that for you where you're just like you know oh like you know it's not as great as everybody thinks it is no i i, I didn't say that i didn't oh, say that oh, okay. it is great it's just okay. people opinions of it are not original they like it not for their own reasons they like it because it's in their head to like it and right. you know even if they don't they'll say they like it and they'll tell you why okay you know, okay, so first Scream. Scream is great, but I look at Scream as a very serious slasher film. 
I see. If he meta about, about it, it. kind of like, like I don't I look at Evil, Evil Dead 2 and think it's, it's fucking funny. funny. I didn't I laugh when I saw Evil Dead 2 at all. I'm not laughing at you. I just can't believe that's true. Like, what? It's not funny to me. It's an okay. awesome movie, but I don't sit there and laugh. Never did. Hmm. Don't think it's funny. I just think it's a guy stuck in a cabin alone after hacking his girlfriend to pieces. Now there's these new, as to quote Bruce, these yahoos there. Yeah. They're giving him a hard fucking time. It's never any nightmare, you know? Um, but. <laughs> Let me go back for a second. Go ahead. You have anything, be it Scream or any of these other movies, they're all great, but there's there's all these opinions that are pre-programmed in there. They're great films. Scream is a great film. Don't think it's funny. To me, oh, it's not. You know, not a funny movie at all. Think it's, people think it's hilarious, but I knew guys like that over in Santa Clarita. You know, and you, you'll find the same with, like, Riverside, any of those, Modesto, you know, these armpits of America, where you have people that are kind of like River's Edge. No, oh, that's a dark film. Like that too, you know? Why are you killing them? I don't know. My mom left. I watched a lot of horror movies. Seemed like a good idea. You know? There was a guy I knew in Santa Clarita. Picked on by everybody all the time. He's one of those kids that like, I'm going to take him too. Fuck you guys. And he did. He got hardcore, like fifth degree black belt. By the time he was like 26 years old. And he would snap all the time. He's at the bus stop. Some guy taps him on the shoulder to ask him time. He turns around and breaks his fucking nose. And then he just goes, well, you should have touched me. It's just it's sort of like, like no reason at all. Just and it, it's okay for him, you know. You have these kids that just that's how they process things. So to me, Scream was very, I don't want to say it was real, but very plausible. You know, there was nothing heightened about it. You know what's interesting? The thing that uh, so. You know, I've seen Scream. I don't even know. I can't count the times I've seen Scream. I love Scream. It's like one of, I, I've told you, I said this previously on one show or another. Scream is my Halloween. Sydney Prescott's my Laurie Strode. Like, that's my jam. And, yeah. but it wasn't until my last revisit last Halloween, about a year ago, when I truly feel like I got down to like the, the, the base layer of the onion of scream that I had just sort of taken for granted for so many years. I didn't realize how truly psychotic and twisted Billy Loomis is, as you're saying, he is like, like what is happening in scream is like, it's, it's really is not funny. It's really kind of crazy. This dude, this dude, first of all, it, it has to be said that Scream is really sort of like, I don't know, I don't know what the best way to say this. It's like the, it's built on top of Psycho. Like the entire film of Scream is built on Psycho. The idea 
that Billy Loomis, Billy Loomis's mother complex, you know, but instead of like, instead of like having like a domineering mother and like having like all this, you know, you know, sort of like uh, history as, you know, it gets pulled, pulled apart in, in all the psycho films, the, the reverse kind of happens where, where Billy Loomis's mom leaves because of what his father did with Sydney's mom. And then Billy Loomis in his mind doesn't blame his father at all. Who's still in the picture as we see in scream, but instead blames Sydney's mother for what Sydney and her father did for making his mother leave. And, you know, you might go, Oh, this is like really like flimsy story writing, but it's like, no, it's like deep in the cortex of like a psychotic misogynistic psychopath who, you know, like doesn't put any of the blame on his father, puts all the blame on Sydney's mother, then murders her, murders and then R's her, if you know what I mean, S-A, whatever, R-A-P-E, you know, her. And then freaking then goes, that's not good enough. I'm going to fuck with her daughter's head. I'm going to date her daughter. And and uh, and then a year, <laughs> a year after the death of her mother, I'm going to murder her, too. Like, it's crazy. It's so he's crazy. Got, he's got Stu, who's a weaker right. individual. Right, just a weak, you know, feeble he, mind. He's, he's he's the little fucking whatever it was, the little chihuahua. He puts, he puts, you want to go chase cars? Right, yep, That's yep. Stu. And here's the thing. And here's the real here's the real true core concept it that that sort of the, the the kernel the idea that not only does he murder Sidney uh, Maureen Prescott but that he also does what his father does in well not does what his father does he he are you know he essays Sidney's mother so he's trying to emulate the affair that his own father had with this woman because of what happened with his mother. Like, it's like all this like crazy deep psychological shit. And then he transfixes his feelings onto the, he then transfixes the blame when she's dead and gone. He has to, he has to then carry it on because it's not over for him. He then projects it onto the daughter who's done nothing, a complete innocent girl who's literally done nothing to this dude. It's crazy. It's such a you crazy need, story. You need to clip this scene, and I'm going to send it to Ryan. Please. He is obviously the scream aficionado, so. Uh, yeah. Actually, so the, I'm, I've done a really bad job of discussing this because there's another episode. I did another episode where I perfectly broke down this thing. I'm just not saying it well the same way that i did but basically i went on to it goes on to basically like this super quick and i'll and, and we'll wrap it up and, and move on to the next thing super quick the idea that in the second film sydney learns that there's almost a greek tragedy that surrounds her that mirrors a greek tragedy of the play that she's performing uh where david werner basically says you you are a survivor and the idea is she is the survivor, but in order for her to survive, her prophecy, her the oracle for her is in order for her to survive, everybody around her has to die. So you will live, but everybody you know will die. 
just for knowing you. And then the third film, she cuts herself off from the world in order to keep people from dying. But as we know, that doesn't really work out very well. But to me, and I, again, a whole video, if you want to send Ryan a video, send him this other one. I think Scream 3, even though I'm very happy for Scream 5, I want Scream 5 because I hate Scream 4 with a passion. Um, I think Scream 3 has the perfect ending. I love the ending of Scream 3. I think it's the perfect final girl trilogy. The fact that she leaves the friggin' door open and turns inside and just goes in, it's like the anti-ending for every film. She actually overcomes her fears and just sort of like, you know, lives happily ever after. And so, I don't know. I, I just think it's really, I just think it's a really, really well done. It's a really, really well done series. That's what I'm trying to say. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Um, so there's that. That that scream, you know. Um, but like, yeah, you do get these sort of like, sort of regurgitated, tired things. It's the same thing with. When people, musicians, when they do interviews, they give the same answers, the same soundbite answers over and over and over again, you know? I'll tell you something I learned. Just keep this in mind. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that's their job. True. Just to answer the same questions. When I first, um, when I first became a journalist. Yeah. High quotes. Um, sitting there at Jump Cut Cafe with Ryan, yeah, and I was interviewing who was it? Who was it? It was either it was either Barbara Crampton because I I hadn't oh, met her yet. Amazing, yeah. Um, so it was either Barb or one of the Evil Dead women. I can't remember, but I was really nervous because I was trying to come up with questions they haven't been asked before. That was, that was my, my whole, whole thing. thing. Right, right. And Brian's like, there's, you're hard pressed to find some. If there's any out there, you're going to find them. I trust that. But sometimes that's their job is to just regurgitate these stories over and over again because it's what people want to hear. And you can only go so long and have so many new things to be asked about a movie you made. 20, 20 years, years ago, or even if you're going over your career, all the, the points that people are going to touch, touch about, about that are worth talking about. about. There's only so many things you can ask. That's true. So, it is that's, what it is. But that's like the, you know, I've, I've, I've conducted many interviews myself in a different kind of way um, over the years. And I always, it, you know, that's the challenge of, of interviewing people is like, you know, trying to get them to say something that, you know, they've either never revealed before or come at it from an angle or a POV that perhaps hasn't been digested yet. And it's like, that you know, is the trick. it's dude, it's not easy. It's really, really, really difficult. It's an art. You know, all that stuff is is art just to be able to do any of that stuff. But let's let's circle back around to our initial thesis question for this show and. We talked about our favorite stuff. We talked about some various franchise stuff and whatever. But now let's look at individual films and eras that are truly responsible for bringing forth 
what would you know what would come we talk about being the best um what what would you say what would you say goes for you as far as individual films during that era yeah 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 tower of evil 1972 is a teen slasher before Halloween. Obviously, Interesting. By what? Six years. Wow. Um, I've never seen it. Teens, teens go to a lighthouse to party. Yeah. Bad stuff happens. Um, there's more story than that. That's sort of just the, the core setup. And then from there, it goes in another direction. Still, though, um, not necessarily teens, but still people going back to the island to investigate slash we're going to fuck. Right. We're there. And, you know, we're going to do some things we shouldn't do. Like, you know, hey, there's gold here. We're going to find it. I mean, it's the same thing. The particulars are different. But, yeah, it's the whole opening setup is, yeah, teens go to go party and lighthouse on an abandoned island called Snake Island. And, and rich, rich atmosphere. This movie is great. great. Tower, Tower, Tower of Evil, nineteen seventy-two. Cool. I, I'll definitely have to dive in and check that out. I'm trying to yeah. think of, I'm trying to think of like a hot, hot take for what I said. Like that really sort of brings forth, you know, something that that truly uh, breaks breaks everything open maybe before you know an iconic film well there is i will say this you know if we're talking of, i mean I, I guess that doesn't really count it's more about like fast zombies you know everybody always points to 28 days later or, you know even return of living dead but even before that there was a italian zombie film from the 80s early 80s forget the name of it they don't they're not really zombies they're like people that have like oatmeal on their face oh nightmare city nightmare okay, it's terrible okay. it's terrible that's know, technically I, the first like fast zombie Lindsay, film maybe maybe um oh by the way another film from that era that you were talking about children shouldn't play with deadly things Dead right things. I, Dead I, things. I love that film i I think that film to no end. I remember the first time I finally found it because before you can go and just fucking order it off of Amazon or or watch it on Prime, you had to wait to find a release. That's a movie I'd read about for years and all kinds of books I had. They finally put a re-release on VHS that I picked up on Tower Records in the Valley. Anchor Bay? So um, no, it was not Anchor Bay. Some hmm. shitty, smaller company. And I picked it up, and I was all excited, and I was happy. Um, real quick, uh, Beastly Big Biggie says, why don't you like Scream 3? I never bothered to watch it. I didn't say I didn't like Scream 3. I love Scream 3. Unless I hate he knows Scream 4. Unless he knows that I hate Scream 3. <laughs> Wait, you hate Scream 3? I hate Scream 3. Oh, I love I Scream 3. I Do you like Scream 4? Scream 3. I, what? No, not really. D- yeah, I, Scream 4 sucks. I hate Scream you know, 4 with a passion. I'm Scream 1, Scream 2. Um, Dude, what did you like do on Scream Star 3? Wars and Empire. 
What did you like on the what did you do on Scream 3? I was just doing security on Scream 3, but I was wow. there the whole time and that's amazing. Was, you know, it was what it was. It was it was a good time. Dude, Scream um, 3 Scream 3 has Listen, listen, it ha- it has it has some doofy moments. It's not it's definitely the it's the third best in the series for sure, but it is great. And it the ending is perfect. And I I love Scream 3. Scream 3 doesn't get enough Love. Fun fact, by the way, for anybody who is familiar with The Following, which is a show written by Kevin Williamson, that was the original plot of Scream 3, which also would have been, yes, which also would have been super interesting. And I would love to have seen them. Yeah, that that, that's dude, that's a direction that they could have taken that. But to get again. I want to do a whole thing about Scream in the future. So let's not talk about Scream. Okay, okay. we'll talk about watch that again. Yes, yes, um, you definitely, okay. definitely should. Um, what about? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm really trying to think of like something that's like sort of like uh, uh, that really jump started the. Cra- oh, here's one for sure. Even though it took place, even though it comes in at the late '70s, I still consider this to be at the the dawn of the great remake cycle of the '80s. It's a film that was not. I'm curious. Let's see if you can guess which one I'm thinking of. It's a film that is not was not made in the '80s, but yet at the same time feels like it's just like because it's like right there. It's like just feels like it should be a, included with the thing and the fly and the blob. Um, it was made in the '70s. Yeah, and it's a remake. Yeah, and some people consider it to be one of the greatest remakes of all time, and the original is phenomenal like a masterpiece from the 50s a true true masterpiece um to me this is when like the great 80s remake renaissance begins it doesn't begin in in the in 1980 it actually begins two years earlier because it feels like it could fit with all those films like if you were making a box set of those great remakes this would be in that box set and I'm surprised you haven't said it yet because it's like right there. I don't like, know. I don't know. No, you talking. do. You do I, know. You do know. You're not giving yourself enough credit. You totally fucking know. Like you're going to go. Yes. Yeah. What? Yes. How'd you know I was 78? How'd you know it was 78? Because you said two years before. Ah, shit. I said it. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, I mean, this. One of I the will best sit remakes. there and toot my own horn all fucking day long. You want me but, to say it? No. Come on. You fucking it. know. Dude, you know this. You know your shit, bro. I need, I need a hint. Is it American? Is it foreign? It is American. And it's a remake of a 50s movie. Ooh, this is fun. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a remake of a 50s movie made in 1978. Um, has... Unless you're talking Invasion of the Body Snatchers. D- damn straight I am. Okay. Of course you knew it. I wasn't going to... You think I was going <laughs> to give that to you? When you like clearly fucking knew it, you would have been mad. Yeah, I'm not. Okay, that would have been. By the way, not a tangent, just a statement. Go ahead. Body Snatchers, Abel Ferrer, 1994, 93, 93. That one. You like that one? Fucking yeah. Yes. You know, it's not okay. All right, but why can't we tangent? Can't we just talk about this real quick? Because I want to talk about this. Well, because I haven't seen it in a long, long time, so I can't really talk about it much other okay. than tell you who's in it. Okay, so, so I'll say this. 
Um, first of all, I like here, here's something that 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 might um, get give uh, you might give me some guff for. I like them all, dude. Every single re, uh, invasion film has been interesting and different. You That's know, fair. I uh, own the invasion. With Daniel yeah, the Craig. invasion was interesting. Yeah. It was not. It was. It was That's fine. You know, it was. It was not like you know. It's not a masterpiece, but the, the idea that okay, we've done this film three times already. How are we going to make it interesting? Let's spit in people's coffee. Like that was terrifying. Like I was like, holy shit! Especially you would imagine now that like invasion would actually be super scary in like the age of COVID. Like this idea that there's like a bunch of people out there that are spitting in coffee. Like you know how like a film can sort of like be revitalized by like some like you know um, contemporary event. I feel like the invasion yeah. would play really really well right now but the the 1993 version which i had never not seen until very very recently i had always avoided like the plague because i just didn't think it was very you know i didn't think it was worth my time it's actually not a bad remake but it just feels like there are whole swaths of story that are missing like it, it doesn't feel like a complete film i remember feeling kind of unfulfilled in certain areas but it it, it functions just fine. It's okay. It's not like, you know, it's not bad or anything. It just, you know, it is well, what it is. Abel Fur is a very particular kind of filmmaker. He is. He is. So it's like, that's, he's one of those guys you have to either you're on board all the way or you're not. But he's got a certain style. Kind of like Don Coscarelli. Yeah. Either you're so, on board or you're not. You you just that that statement, you just nailed it with Don Coscarelli for that. Like that is a dude like you watch the Phantasm movies and they are the most that's the most it's a litmus test in and of itself. It is super polarizing. You're either on the wavelength and you're like, yeah, man, fucking Phantasm. Or you're like, I don't get this at all. I don't like nothing makes sense. Like what is going on? Except that it doesn't make sense because it doesn't. Yeah. Just accept it and wait for them in what the third movie or whatever to iron out the plot for you. Look, this is what happened because he needs 15 years to figure out what the fuck is. That's right. Actually the third one, the third one is the best one, man. I think in the sense that it's like, you know, what, what talk about, you know, actually this is the perfect example of, of everybody Ooh. sort of knowing what something is based on everybody knows what something is based on like people's oh shit am i pausing hello no you're fine you're um, okay fine. You're um fine. everybody is like oh yeah phantasm is this because of this and this and this and i feel like phantasm 3 kind of like reflects all of those tropes that give phantasm its kind of identity I guess maybe if that I, makes I, any sense. I'm with Rue on the Phantasm Two is a better film. Doesn't that that doesn't have the guy in it? The guy isn't even in that one. I just I like Phantasm Two. It's inter- I'm entertained. It, it's okay. I have a thing about second a lot of things like we talked yeah. about. You know, you've ironed out everything from the first one. The second yeah. one, you can just play. Third is when you start experimenting. Okay, now that we've got this down, let's open it up. And that can go either way. 
That's true. Um, I think Evil Dead 2 is a great example of what you yeah. just said. We got it down. We know what we're doing. Let's retell the story in 15 minutes and then just, you know, where does everything go from here? And just like going going balls to the wall. Have you ever seen, this is a little tangent, little side. have you ever seen Crime Wave? Yeah, it's terrible. Um, it's friggin' brilliant and awesome. And I love it so much because here's the thing. If you're a fan of the Coen brothers, if you're a well, fan, <laughs> okay, I love the Coen brothers. And if you're a fan of, of, of Sam Raimi and Rob Tappert and Bruce Campbell's, you know, early slapstick, you know, punk rock, crazy, frenetic aesthetic, you literally are getting a Coen brothers film by way of Evil Dead in Crime Wave. I watched it back to back twice. I, I loved it so much. I just thought oh all the gag, dude, all the gags. I watched it with the commentary with Bruce Campbell. It's it's really, really good. I waited so long to see it. I was so happy. Friggin' loved it. Can't recommend it enough. In a way, in a way, it's kind of Evil Dead 1.5 in the weird I'm, kind of way. I'm going to I'm going to not counter, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give you this. I'm gonna what? give you this to you and the audience to sort of chew on. Okay. Um, you wanted to see it so bad. You wait to see it so long. Yes. To quote Eli Roth, they could have showed me a person taking a shit for an hour and a half, and I would have thought it was the greatest thing ever. Because what you wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah. And that's, and that's not, not just, just, I'm not I'm calling Crime Wave a piece of shit. <laughs> but that, that whole mentality in general, it doesn't matter. When you want to see something so bad and you wait so long to see it, it doesn't matter what they show you. It's God. I wanted to see Lord of the Rings, the animated basket. Yeah. I saw it in the drive-in as a little yeah. kid. Actually, uh-huh. I didn't even think we saw it. I think we were there seeing something else. And I was watching that other screen with no sound. It took forever, right? Yeah. Or like heavy metal. Finally get my hands on these. I love them. Yeah, I love heavy metal. Critical eye, I could sit there and go, oh my God, this is all the things wrong with them. What? They're they're not perfect films. No, they're not. They're not, but they're good movies. I enjoy them, but I know what's wrong with them. And yeah, I know yeah. why I love them so much is it took me 15, 20 years to be able to get my hands on them. I don't care what it is. It's mine now, and I'm never letting it go. It's like a piece of your childhood that you own. Okay, but I love Blood Simple, okay? I love Blood okay. Simple. First well, Coen Brothers film. So I, I literally, it's like I finally get a hold of Crime Wave, and I'm like, holy shit. This is, this is like... This is like um, slapstick, Three Stooges, like goofy, blood simple done by Sam Raimi. And it's just kind of like, and it's like, it's like, it's fucking great to me. It's like, I found like, it's literally like I found a lost Evil Dead film. Because when it was the same thing like this, like I was so Evil Dead starved. I had such Evil Dead blue balls that in 2009, when when he did what the hell is it called um drag me to hell oh my god i was so happy i was like head oh even that little scene in spider-man 2 
in the operating room. I was like, yeah. oh my God, it's on Keyboard Dad. It's on Keyboard Dad. You know, like, I'm like giddy. That that was 2004. I'm like, holy shit, he's he's acknowledging that he once directed the Evil Dead. This is so cool. And then like, you know, like, and then we get this film that you know has absolutely nothing to do with Evil Dead, but carries some of the same kinetic filmmaking that 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 style. And I was trying to like push this hot take for the longest time because at that time we were never going to get. Army of Darkness 2 or Evil Dead 4. It was never going to happen. We right. weren't going to get Ash versus the Evil Dead. So I was trying to, this, you know, 2010, I'm going, yeah, well, you know, like, Drag Me to Hell is almost like the, the fourth Evil Dead in a way. It, like, takes place in the same universe. I was totally, like, full of shit. And, like, I totally, especially uh, circa 2015 when we got a proper continuation of the Evil Dead, you know, uh, but like, it just sort of, I don't know. I don't know. It just, uh, you, you, when you want, when you, when you, when you want something or when something ticks your boxes and you're starved for it, it, it feels yeah. really great. But I will argue till I'm blue in the face that crime wave does not fit in that paradigm for me personally. I watched it and I'm going, Holy shit. Like I said, Coen Brothers and fucking Evil Dead. And it's almost like, you know, it's like a it's a spiritual adjacent to the Evil Dead. And I wish that it made money and was successful. And I wish that I mean, Darkman, to an extent, has a lot of that as well. You know, I just I wish Sam Raimi went in that direction, you know, instead of going like I like Quick and the Dead. I like, you know, the gift. But, like, I almost wish Sam Raimi never went mainstream in a way. You know, I kind of wish that he would have kept going that way. You have to acknowledge that he's not a horror fan. No, he he likes, yeah, he he likes, you know, I mean, it's true. He would have done more, yeah, like the evil, like the fact that even the original Evil Dead, which is a, a totally serious film, you know, is firmly rooted in the Three Stooges for the, all the yep. physical, the physicality of it all, you know? Sometimes um, you just have to sit there and appreciate what you got from someone that doesn't normally do it. William Freakin, you know, he gave us the exorcist. Yeah. He's not a horror director and will never be a horror director. He did something once. He did it really, really well. No, no, he did it way more than once. What other ones are you counting the Guardian. Guardian. The Guardian. The Guardian. What do you mean? Yeah, what do you, why do you yeah. say it like, dude? The Guardian is a full no. I know you horror love. Film. I know you love the Guardian. I know you love it. Dude, I have to watch you, it again. I haven't watched it in like you some years. Oh, you're gonna I love, it. love it. I revisit, revisit, revisit. It's but um awesome. So, a, so we'll give you one, two, maybe three, if you want to count random. Cruising. Cruising. Lucy is not a horror movie. It's horror it's a, adjacent. It is a horror. No, it's not, okay. First of all, stop. Who are you? Who are you? Clark Wolf? Stop with the horror adjacent. It's not a horror film. It is a gritty, ugly fucking crime movie with a fucked up subject matter. It's not horror, horror adjacent. Horror neighbors. Horror neighbors. That's you know, put that, that on a shirt. Stop put that on a shirt. Horror neighbors. <laughs> 
Hey, horror neighbors. Hi, hi, hi. Um, Stop it. What about uh, is Rampage the one on the on the bridge? Um, Rampage is about the serial killer. It's Never saw it. Arthur. Never I saw it. Got to see it. Never seen it. It's worth a watch. It kind of plays like a TV movie, but it's it's freaking. It has an intensity you're not going to get anywhere else. But just go in. What's the bridge one called? Um, is it that? Um, I haven't seen. Sorcerer. Haven't seen Sorcerer either. That's on my list to watch. Yeah, got to check that out. Definitely got to check that out. You know what we should do for an episode? Horror films that are not horror films. Or films that aren't horror films but are totally horror films. Or films that are not horror films, but if you tweak it slightly, it could be a horror film. Like, for instance, uh, from 1996, Tom Arnold... And Rick Moranis, Big Bully, which first really? of all, yeah, okay, this is really funny, and I'm just gonna just this one and, and no more because we could make a whole game out of this. It'd be mommy really dearest. fun. Fucking CJ. yeah, Mommy Dearest, great example. Um, Big Bully almost could have been a cult classic. Um, in the right sort of the the script is really sort of interesting, and it goes full-fledged like horror at one point and totally could be remade as a horror film. And I would love to see it. And that's what we should do. We should do lists of, or we should come up with some picks of films that if you tweak it slightly, it's a fucking horror movie, like through and through or so should be remade. That'd, That'd be fun. And greetings to New Zealand. From yes. On the two coast. That's Walter White. Walter White always rolls through. He's in New Zealand. We have two people from New Zealand. We also have uh, Neon Knees. He's not here right now. Um, but he's also from, lives in New Zealand, but he's originally from America. Okay. Um, yeah, we got we got some regulars. Pa- Whoa, we have Paul Seacrest in the house. That's a, Paul watches everything, always commenting on stuff, but we never get him live in the, in the house. I must have mis- not read his name. It was there. We always have, Rue Morgan is always here. That's great. That's really, really, really great. Um, what else you got for us, Chris? You know, that's really it. I'm going to post a list. We'll post a list on here after, like, some some must-sees. Okay. I don't know, probably between 10 and 15, because I'm covering a five-year period. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's some good stuff in there. And we'll throw some posters and stuff on the, um, on the new Instagram of some of these movies. Right. I'm going to put a link in the description. We have a new Instagram, guys. Please check it out. Um, Chris will be running that. And, you know, Chris does recommendations on his personal page. But, like, so go follow him there as well. But, like, also, you should, like, post those. You should, like, tag tag the, 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 the podcast in that so that people can see those yeah. recommendations as well. Because uh, Chris watches a movie every morning. He watches a movie, uh, uh, some form of horror movie and some of those mostly movies, horror occasionally i get off of that but yeah mostly horror it's, yeah that's, that's great that gets my day started so that's great very rarely unless it's an occasion are you going to get something like super oh friday 13th part three or something should we what? end should, should we cap this show off with an unboxing what do you got i think we well i think now that you threw it out there we have to okay this came in the mail 
Um, don't want my address to be seen. Ah, hold on. One second while I scratch off my ad. Well, whatever. Here, let me just open this up. This came from Germany Ooh. some time ago. You know what? You know what my favorite part about unboxing something is. Actually, I have another unboxing to do, but I'll save that for a different video. Um, or maybe I'll save it for our next episode at the end of the show. Who knows? Exactly. All right, so look, look. I, my favorite part of these mailers is when you pull the thing. It's so satisfying. You know when you... Oh, baby, that feels good. <laughs> what, is it, what is it about? Is there... Any, you know, people take... You know, some people are into, like, drugs. Some people are into booze. Some people are into food. What about the euphoria of receiving a package at your front door? Is there anything like it's so intoxicating? What a blissful, intoxicating pleasure to. And you know what's funny? You might open, you might have ordered the, the stuff you ordered. You don't even give a shit about it. Like it came, the fact that it's in the package, like you open that package and the moment that you've taken it out, like you just, it's like, like if you're getting high on cocaine, you're like, you're up and then you're way down. <laughs> it's, it's like, what? oh, it's over. It's all yeah. about the opening. Yeah, it's it all, what it was. right, right, right. Something like that. Oh, Rumorg, Rumorg says the cable guy could have been a yeah. horror stalker flick. 100% Rue. Absolutely correct. Totally. Um, Walter, the yesterday's stream was a disaster. This stream is going swimmingly. I was actually super worried about today's stream because of how bad yesterday's stream was with like the beginning part and the ending part. I was so annoyed. Um, so you really didn't miss any, anything, Walter. All right, let's open this up. I've delayed this All long right, enough. Let's open it up. Oh, yeah. What do we. Oh, what could it be? I don't know. You know. What do you got? It's number. 207, 207 of 300. Now, I got to tell you, oh my god, let's let's look. What is it indeed? Look, it's a media book. Okay. He's like, "What is it? What is it, Jeff?" All right. No longer delay. It is Space Truckers. Space motherfucking truckers, baby. And this is the 25th anniversary edition. This is um from Wicked Media in Germany, they do region-free releases. They put out the quality of the packaging. I ordered this. This The news came that Space Trackers was coming out um, after we lost Stuart Gordon last year. And I knew the moment that this was being released that I had to own it. I haven't watched it in years, like forever. I cannot wait to revisit this film. Um, and it's a two disc limited collector's edition, number 46. And that card talk about, talk about something that gives you a chubby, man. It's got the limited edition one of 300 off the back. I live for this shit. Man. <laughs> it's fucking great. It's fuck. We should do that at every, every, you know, every time we have a thing at the end of the show, unbox something. Okay. Unbox. It's got a. Yeah, it's got a thing. And then look, Count Dracula on the Count back. Dracula. Christopher Lee is Count Dracula. So that must be an upcoming release that they're doing. 
Do you Jess know? One. I was about to say, can you recognize which Count Dracula this is? It's the Jess Franco it's you the, said? It's the Jess Franco one. Got you. So so Jess Franco, that's not, again, forgive my ignorance. This is a blind spot. I've said this is a blind spot for me. Jess Franco is is has nothing to do with Hammer, correct? Absolutely not. Jess okay. Franco made porn about right. 30% of the time. Right. Okay. Uh, he did... He's under that Euro something label with the weird no redemption. What's redemption. the label? Yeah, redemption. redemption. Put out a lot of his stuff. Right. Okay. Yes, I thought I, I thought so. I thought so. Okay. And then look on the inside with these media books. There's a book. They do a book that's built into the the thing. So it is a book with the two discs. Look at that. You can't see them because it's everything's red. Look at Dennis Hopper there stuffing his maw. Oh my God, I can't wait to fucking watch this. <laughs> Happier than a pig in shit right now. Wow. I'm that is. Make... I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, 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 no. I was just going to say, I'm going to give one uh, recommendation before Please we get do. Out of here. Please do. That is this one Forgotten Giala. Ooh. Right there. Okay. And that is volume, see right there? Volume, volume three. three. Yep, yep. Very cool. Um, What's What you got in there? Vinegar Syndrome. Okay. This has, and this is the, this was like the main reason, obviously, about Lost My Mind, was we have, we have Autopsy. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Autopsy, we have... Right here, crazy desires of a murder. Nice. But the creme de la creme. Yeah. This is Murder Mansion. Murder Mansion. Ooh. This is what I was raving about earlier, like if Scooby Doo writers made a geology. That's this. Um the only way to watch this was in all the shitty, like, 50 movies for 20 buck packages. Yeah. And it's a bad copy. That was the only way to see it before. I got my hands on a Spanish TV broadcast, which was beautiful, widescreen even. But it was in Spanish. And I had... Um, a sound friend, go ahead and lay the English audio over it. Wow. So that's the one I had for a long time, which, by the way, if you change a public domain movie like that, you own that version. So for a while, I was Wait, 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 wait. Pause, is- pause, pause. Yep. Wait. So if you, a movie is in the public domain, you transform it in some way, shape, or form and release it yourself... You own the the, the own copyright that of that version. That is correct. Wow. Um, it's one of those little gray areas of film. But anyways, this came out last year. Yeah. Lost my mind, ordered it straight off, and was very happy. I think every I think we just discovered a new feature of our show. Every show must end with a recommendation from our, our collections each, right? Like it has to be done. Like I, you know, we used to have a show, we had a show devoted to that on here, me and some filmmaking buddies, 
we would each, it was a show and tell show where we would show a release, talk about why we loved it, and then just sort of like open it up to things. We're going to just steal from that and put it here where it makes a lot of sense to do so. So that, 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 that is sense. that. That is that. So, all right. So in the comments, we're, we're going we're gonna to leave you. In the comments, leave us with your favorite freaking, um, your favorite freaking, whatchamacallit, uh, list of, of, or, you know, from movies from an, from an era or something. Put it in the comments below. Go follow the new Sinful Celluloid podcast Instagram. Go follow Chris at Sinful Celluloid if you have not already. Please make sure to like, share, and most of all, subscribe to this channel. And we bid you adieu. Until next time, how do we end things on the channel here? We say, well, we need a special ending for our show, separate from what I do. We'll have to come up with that. We'll figure it out. But in the meantime, until we do, we'll say peace and hair grease. grease.